This episode of Hookup Horror Stories is brought to you by Spaces, the new chat-based app for queer people to connect about things they are most passionate about. Join a space and chat about your favorite topics, or create a space of your own, invite friends, and find community about pretty much anything, all in a safe, LGBT-friendly environment powered by Hornet. Look for Spaces in the App Store now and join the official Hookup Horror Stories chat. Check the link in our bio to find out more. Thanks. Hookup Horror Stories is brought to you today by Good Pods, the world's fastest growing podcast social networking app. What's the best way to discover a new podcast? Through your friends, of course. With Good Pods, you can do exactly that. Join specific groups and find out what other people are listening to right now. Everything from true crime to comedy, self-help and spirituality, and yes, even this show. Download Good Pods today and start sharing your face with other podcast addicts everywhere. See you there. All right. Number one, red flag. They keep a mysterious oil drum in their bedroom. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah, he, did. he did have a, a red, uh, um, an oil drum in his bedroom. Yeah. And, and we know enough to know, well, there are the bodies in there. But, you know, then they didn't have so much television and, you know, the sharing of knowledge. But, yeah, there was that. <laughs> red flag, for sure. Welcome to Hookup Horror Stories. I'm Demi Wild, your resident sexual deviant. Hello, bitches. My name is Devannon, and I host the Sex, Drugs, and Jesus podcast. How you doing? How you doing? <laughs> it is spooky season, so we're here talking about the show that is taking the internet by storm. Ryan Murphy's latest Netflix show, Monster, the Jeffrey Dahmer story. Ciao. Uh, all the while I was watching that um, Lady Gaga song, Monster, was in my head. That boy is a monster. Uh, <laughs> And bitch, did he not give meaning to the term eat your heart out? Eat your heart out. Actually, I think secretly that song was partially about him. Lady Gaga song? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I could see that. Well, <laughs> behold, I think like she was using him as like a reference to, you know, talk about a guy that she was, you know, <laughs> who was a monster to her. Freaked out by. I was I was playing back the lyrics in my head. I asked my girlfriend if she's seen you around before. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh, I have so much to say about all of this. <laughs> yeah, we've got a lot to talk about. This is a very extra special kind of crossover episode that I've never done before. And I think it's really fun to talk about, especially for Halloween season. Yeah, so we're doing a three-way with Jeffrey Dahmer tonight, basically. Yeah. <laughs> and uh couldn't get any more creepier than that. But we're going to do it because we're open-minded and super freaky. And so uh, I was inspired by Dahmer the other day. Well, inspired by the, not by him, but by the documentary, you mm-hmm. know? And uh, and I was like, I reached out to Demi and I was like, girl, we need to do a show about this motherfucker. Let's talk about this. Demi was like, let's release it on Halloween. I was like, okay, <laughs> let's, 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 let's do it at the witching hour then. 
<laughs> that's right. That's right. Um, well, yeah, it, it is a witching hour. So obviously we've got our candles lit here. Before we begin and get too far into it, I have mine that I'm going to light. Now, this little tea light here rep is I'm lighting it out of respect for the people who Jeffrey Dahmer murdered, but not just the people he murdered, but also anybody who's departed this plane of existence in a very torturous uh brutal way like that and so um i don't know hopefully it sheds some peace on them in the afterlife agree and so as we say in, in um in positive energy circles for the good of all or not at all <laughs> for the good of all or not at all i like that perfect Amazing. Well, if you guys are watching this on video, you'll obviously see this on both of our channels. Um, check it out. Boom. Otherwise, just sit back and listen to what we're going to talk about. Um, spoiler alerts and trigger warnings are in full effect. So get ready. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it, it, we we spilling all the tea and telling every goddamn thing. So, in fact, you can probably listen to this episode instead of watching the series if you feel like it because we're going through this bitch. Exactly. Well, we've got a lot to talk about, so let's just get a little refresher on who Jeffrey Dahmer was, shall we? We shall. The first, he was hot. He was hot, I will say. <laughs> was he? I don't I think do. so. <laughs> well, that's because you really like Black Dick. I mean, I'm open <laughs> to all, but, like, not him. First of all, he is so, like, plain Jane looking, first of all, and second of all, the glasses, the demeanor, the hair, just I'm not feeling it at all. <laughs> now I'm talking about the younger him now. I'm not talking about the older prison or whenever the fuck. <laughs> I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the, the young one. <laughs> so. Well, yeah, either way, he, he's <laughs> playing with those striped shirts, the button ups. Uh-uh, can't do it. <laughs> oh, not no. my type of white boy. We're not going to make you. No. Um, so anyways, let's talk about Jeffrey Dahmer. So Jeffrey Lionel Dahmer was also known as the Milwaukee Cannibal or the Milwaukee Monster. He was an American serial killer and convicted sex offender who committed the murder and dismemberment of 17 men and boys between 1978 and 1991. Many of his later murders involved necrophilia, cannibalism, and the permanent preservation of body parts, typically parts of the skeleton. Although he was diagnosed with borderline personality disorder, schizotypal personality disorder, and psychotic disorder, he was convicted of 15 and 16, or 15 of the 16 murders he had committed in Wisconsin, and he was sentenced to 15 terms of life imprisonment on February 17, 1992. Dahmer was later sentenced to a 16th term of life imprisonment for an additional homicide committed in Ohio in 1978. On November 28, 1994, Dahmer was beaten to death by Christopher Scarver, a fellow inmate at the Columbia Correctional Institution in Portage, Wisconsin. His victims' names were all Stephen Mark Hicks, who was 18, Stephen Walter Tuomi, who was 25, James Edward Doxtator, who was 14, Richard Guerrero, who was 22, Anthony Lee Sears, 24, Raymond Lamont Smith, who was 32, Ernest Marquez Miller, 22, David Courtney Thomas, who was 22, Curtis Darrell Strotter, who was 17, Errol Lindsay, who was 19, Tony Anthony Hughes, who was 31, Conorak Synthamphisone, who was 14, Matt Cleveland Turner, who was 20, Jeremiah Benjamin Weinberger, who was 23, 
Oliver Joseph Lacey, who is 24, and Joseph Arthur Bradoff, who is 25. How do we feel? I was taking taking and giving everyone a moment of silence to just like take like that set in for a moment. Yeah. How do I feel? It reminds me of, of all the vigils we see on TV after mass school shootings and stuff like that. Yeah. You know, it's like when all the all the all the dead come together. I'm just seeing like, you know, all the teddy bears and the flowers and the candles on the ground. That that's the imagery I'm getting. How about you? Um, it's a lot to take in. I, I couldn't watch the show. Um, it, normally, like I like to binge something. It's not one of those bingeable shows to me. That first episode had me just like fully like on edge. Like and I love horror. I love true crime. I don't get squeamish a whole lot. I was very squeamish by this. It was very visceral in my opinion. I just I was like, oh my God, what the fuck is happening? You know, um, seeing these characters play out before he, before us, the actual murders themselves being portrayed in such a way, especially by Ryan Murphy about it just made everything so much more real, you know, cause I've already known the story. I've already known what happened, but like just seeing it played out was like, holy shit. Like this is a little too much at times. It's all great to have a, a, a story, but it's all about how you tell it, baby. And so let us give credit to those who told it. Now, Evan Peters is the star of this. And then, like he said, like, like, like Demi said, Ryan Murphy, wrote it and then i saw the name ian brennan come up as a lot of the writing there were other people mm -hmm. who wrote it too but mainly ian brennan i'm partial to ian brennan because my boyfriend's name is ian <laughs> oh i'm here for all the ians of the world and demi's one of demi's favorite persons nisi nayash was in there giving life serving face <laughs> <laughs> She played such a good role. And I know that Glenda was was a real person, but that character that she played and the stuff that she experienced was actually experienced by a lot of the other people that were like in the building or other people that had interactions. So she was kind of an amalgamation of like a bunch of people. Um, I, I actually remember specifically the the instance where um the 14-year-old the where he actually, you know, he drilled the head and put acid in there and he was like you know comatose almost but like still he got up and he and he ran and so glenda was like and then i think another couple people were outside and they found the boy and then the police sent them back in with with Dahmer. it was like oh my god what the hell is happening here but she was fully giving me life the entire time um especially in those moments where she really like cared to but also that she wasn't heard you know she like it was so, oh my, I can't even like verbalize it. It was so oh, messed up. Oh, my darling. I will do my part to guide you through this emotional journey <laughs> we're about to take. So, the, I had two questions for you Yeah. Uh, before we get into the episode breakdowns. I just wanted to know what was the most heartbreaking part for you? Was it the scene you just described or was it something different? I mean, that one was obviously heartbreaking because I know how <laughs> all of them were really heartbreaking because I knew how they all ended. Um, uh, what was the, the, the deaf, the deaf guy? Um, I, I'm going to, uh, Tony Hughes, was that his name? Oh God. He went through so many men, honey. I couldn't keep up with the names. I, I know. I, I think that was, I think that was his name. I could be wrong. I apologize if I am, but I'm really bad with names anyways. Um, but the, the deaf boy, um, he, that one was the most heartbreaking because I knew how it played out and it was just so 
sad to see like it was hard for me to like peel away the kind of like monster mentality versus like kind of just like the need to connect with someone which i think a lot of people who are like Dahmer feel so i don't want to like <laughs> sympathize with a killer you know but i can understand how a person just wants to be connected to another person and i think that was the closest thing that he had was with was with tony and so far from the show i'm not sure about real life but you know in the show it played out that way that they actually had dates and they actually had you know time spent together and they spent the night together and <laughs> it was just so heartbreaking you know mm-hmm. no well i feel for you darling i feel for you that 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 part was super heartbreaking and what stood out to me was that that's the deaf guy was the one who was trying to keep it classy. He actually didn't have his legs open the moment he met Jeffrey. And he was the one. I know. Owed him no. And I thought like, I wonder, because Jeffrey didn't kill him. He thought about it. He had the drugs to put it in his drink. Mm-hmm. And he put it back up. So this is this is when we see Jeffrey trying to fight that monster within. And I'm thinking the deaf guy is somebody who's actually telling him no. The little note he wrote said, you have to earn me because he didn't talk. So he told Jeffrey, you have to earn me. And this evoked a different response from Jeffrey. Yeah. Um, you know, we see this in men, you know, quite often if, you know, if, 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 if you let them fuck you tonight, they will. But if not, you know, they may just treat you with respect instead. And so. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that was what was most heartbreaking for me was like that, that story with him. Um, they, <laughs> We all know how it ended, clearly, but um, I'm not sure if they depicted this exactly, but um, several of of his victims, um, he actually like kept around, like laid around um, while after he killed them. So like he they were in his apartment for like three days or whatever. Tony, he kept around for a while before he decided to get rid of him. Um, it's just so strange like seeing these like kind of like i don't want to humanize him but like it's just moments of like oh my god like i kind of feel bad i this this kid hadn't he was doomed from the beginning he was doomed from the beginning his mom was crazy his dad taught him how to do this shit (laughs) i i think kind of like a part of the point of this series was to bring out his humanity because everybody knows, you know, he's the crazy bitch who killed all these people. Mm-hmm. But the sensitive side with his history and background, to my knowledge, had never been told before. And so I'm okay with looking at a person and seeing both the evil and the good in them. And right. so, and I think that this series did a great job with that. The second question I had for you was what, what, and the answer might be the same, but you know, what was the most shocking part for you? Like something you just not see coming like, Oh, bitch. <laughs> well, I don't think I didn't see anything coming. Okay. Um, <laughs> I think the most shocking, but also not exactly. Um, <laughs> I, I knew this was going to happen anyways was the fact that like the police that just were completely negligent in, in taking this seriously just got off on it. You know, it, it was just so fucked. And I think that was what made me so angry at the very end was just like, Oh my God, like here is this, this predator who is going after 
you know, marginalized people and whether intentionally or not, he, he was, he was doing it. Um, that these police officers just didn't want to get involved, you know, even though Glenda was calling them all the time, saying there's weird smells or there's body, you know, I, it's just mind boggling how, how messed up that shit is and how real it is. Cause it happens to this day still. Right. What, what shocked me the most was the role that his parents played in it. His mom being on all the pills and the medication, which clearly scrambled his brain chemistry and his dad harboring the same sort of desires, but acting him out with animals and then teaching his son how to do the same thing. That's mm-hmm. something I never saw coming. I was shocked about that. Yeah. I mean, that part, the fact that his, at the very end, um, they were talking about keeping his brain mm-hmm. to study it, which I think would have been really great to do um, just yeah. for science. Concur. Um <laughs> And then his dad was just like, no, we just got to, we're done with it. We got to go. He didn't have the balls. He didn't really have a whole lot of nuts throughout the whole thing. <laughs> yeah, no. He had like a moment of nutsackiness. And then he just, he just didn't want to face the truth of whatever those results would have rendered. <laughs> right. Deal. Right. Also, I think the most interesting part of it was like, it, it raised in my, in my mind, the whole concept of nature versus nurture as we know as gay people, like how much of us growing up gay, is it nature versus nurture? How much of it growing up as a, as a homicidal maniac cannibal, (laughs) how much of that is nature versus nurture? You know, you know, his mom was, was that obviously was like nature right there. You know, he, that was like biological. And then his dad kind of nurtured this part of him too. So like it kind of had both ends of the spectrum, you know, it's, it's so interesting. But I also want to point out that of these 17 young men that were murdered, the majority of them were black and brown individuals. Correct. Um, This was happening during like the middle of the last century. So there's a lot of racism, homophobia going on, you know, and that's that's a theme throughout the end. I love Jaxie Jackson's Jesse Reverend Jaxie Jackson's triumphant (laughs) appearance towards the end. Mm -hmm. Uh, As you mentioned, though, this sort of thing does still happen today and 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 if I could like make a hashtag like and give respect to your podcast hookup horror stories, I would say this show pretty much demonstrates the old hashtag ultimate hookup horror story. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> this is the ultimate. This is the thing that we've all been more warned about in like hookup culture. It's like you know, don't go out on a date with anybody you're not the internet, otherwise you'll fucking be murdered. You know, or gotten your heart eaten out literally <laughs> it's the ultimate hookup horror story yeah so we're not joking in this in this series y'all jeffrey liked to um cut the boys up uh i'm pretty sure he sauteed a liver a human yeah. liver you know and, and he ate it like it was a goddamn morton steakhouse <laughs> six you know five-star restaurant <laughs> I mean, I guess, I mean, I, I'm laughing. I'm not laughing at it, but I don't have any other emotion to, to, I'm laughing at the, how hysterical this whole thing is. I mean, if we don't laugh, we'd cry because it's so fucked up and, and grotesque. But I think also talking about it openly and also discussing how 
we feel about it and using humor as a way to kind of cope. That's something I'm very familiar with. I'm, <laughs> I make really, I have a very dark twisted sense of humor. So this is definitely something I do on a regular basis. So no, this is a safe space. I think um, anybody who's listening, I hope you guys feel the same way. This is a safe space. Um, I think that <laughs> in addition to like the, in addition to all the you know horrible dismemberments and the cannibalism and keeping body parts in his fridge and freezer and stuff, um, I think the most one of the most crazy things about it was like he drilled their heads and then put acid in their brain in order to make living zombies. That was like his goal because he didn't want people to leave him. He didn't want people to like he wanted people to be subservient and to be like you know. It's, it's so fucked up but also it's kind of like oh god you just wanted connection you know i think that stems from his mother his dad always leaving him yeah because in the first like episodes we see um his mom just got his little brother and screeched off because his mom and dad had a terrible chaotic relationship so people can get their heads fucked up just from the parents not getting along and shit like that right I, this experience in my in my own household um, and that's why that was, he didn't want to be left. He didn't understand. Okay. They got to go to work. They got something else to do. He wasn't trying to hear none of that. All he heard, all, he just wanted them to stay. He wanted them to stay, you know? But I mean, why do, when we go around and we do a whole lot of hooking up, Demi, I think it's for the same reason, at least for me, you know, looking back when I was in and out of a different bed every night, you know, I just didn't want to be alone when I was a drug dealer, you know, and, and I would just give people narcotics or whatever. Just I just didn't fucking want to be by myself. Right. You know? So how do we fix that? Okay. Yeah. Um, I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's it's maybe being comfortable being alone has has part to do with it. Being comfortable being, but also not like being so alone that you go crazy. Um you know, reaching out to people when you need to and talking to friends, people who you trust, who are having people you trust in order to kind of alleviate some of that loneliness and, and to bring other perspectives into, into being. I wanted to bring out another serial killer that I, I found a lot of like um, um, kind of connection to Dahmer and his name was Dennis Nielsen. He was a guy in the UK who um, also a gay serial killer. Um, he didn't eat the body parts, but he did keep body parts around and his first kill was a young man who he met at a bar brought him home ended up just drinking and talking all night having a great time sleeping together um i don't think they had sex but they they slept in the same bed they cuddled whatever um the next morning dennis got up and he decided that he didn't want this boy to leave like they all do and he ended up strangling him while he was in bed um it's kind of that same motive where it was kind of like you know you just want someone to be around and i and then he also keeping of the body parts has something to do with that too yes there's some sort of like trophy involved but also kind of like more like i have this memento of this person you know you still feel um, connected to them yeah so still 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 feel connected to them exactly um the only way dennis nelson got caught was um just this kind of gross but he after a few years of like doing this and stuff and keeping body parts around the house, um, he decided to start getting rid of the stuff and he started putting it down the drain. 
And anyone who's been in the UK knows that plumbing in the UK sucks. And so he started putting body parts down the drain and people in the building started finding brown water coming up and they were like drinking it and all this yeah. stuff. And they, they finally called, you know, the management, whatever they found out that there's like these horrible body parts going up and they all tracked it back to Dennis. That's how we got caught. But I felt a lot of like kind of connection between Dahmer and Nelson. Like it was very kind of like these guys had like the similar MOs. They still had kind of were like fucked up in the head from a very beginning. Dennis Nelson had a very troubling background too. Um, it's just pretty wild. Both of these people had similar backgrounds and they wound up doing the same kind of thing. Was, was this UK food? Well, I'm, I'm to some extent, I'm pleased that eating people was a touch too far for him. He just could not. <laughs> uh, but was he before Dahmer, during or after? Um, let me see. But I'm wondering I think if maybe around the same time. I'm wondering 82. if Dahmer, Okay, I think Dahmer hit the news in like in the 90s. Mm-hmm. Then they were 91. doing this currently. Okay. So this is 10 years before Dahmer, but actually around the same time, because I think Dahmer got started in 78. So yeah, they, they were around the same time. My Lord Jesus. So, so I wanted to issue like a word of warning, like in terms of like the, the danger of hooking up. Mm-hmm. I just want to like remind people that bad things do happen to people when they go behind closed doors with strangers. I get it's really easy to go online and meet a fool and run off with them. I've done it. And I thank the sweet baby Jesus that nothing bad ever happened. But I'm I'm not arrogant to say that it that it's not like it could have. It's not like I practiced discretion. I didn't tell anyone where I was going. I didn't verify the person's name. I didn't verify that it was even their home that I was in. None of those things. I just trusted a stranger. Um, when I know with like whenever people have like bad shit happen to them on hookups, usually they don't run around and tell it because everybody wants to make it seem like they have a super glorious sex life. Right. What will happen is when you're on these hookup apps, like that person who you always see in that square, suddenly you just won't see them anymore. Mm-hmm. That's kind of how that goes. So I'm just reminding y'all, be careful because in this show, some of the guys would look at a drink because Jeffrey would put, but used to put the fucking dope in the drink and they'd look at it and be like, this looks funny. And then they would just drink it anyway. Right. <laughs> oh. That also goes with just just the naivete, people not knowing, people not thinking, you know, or just, hey, whatever, let's have fun, you know, whatever the case may be. Um, always. <laughs> so I have I have a friend who um, anytime that he goes somewhere, he always texts me to tell me where he's going. Um, I think it's great. It's wonderful to have a person that you a little slut friend that you could just be like, hey, I'm going to X this address. <laughs> if you don't hear from you by, by tomorrow. I'm dead, you know. I got so, dommered. <laughs> I got dommered. So like it, it's it's very important to have those friends that you can talk to about this kind of stuff. And I think the whole purpose of like the stuff what we do in our podcast and 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 talking about this stuff openly and honestly is that this stuff does happen quite regularly to everyone and it is not doing anybody any good to just like leave the stuff inside. And to kind of like release that shame in a way to talk about it openly, to talk about, hey, this here's how we can avoid this stuff, you know, what to look out for. You know, it's the same thing with it's the same thing with true crime. It's like you you want to know more about what's happening to these people because that helps us later on to like kind of like be little murderinos and be like, you know what? I I don't I know what's going on here. I need to leave, you know. <laughs> 
Oh, that makes me think of Ang Angela Langsbury, who recently died. Mm -hmm. Rest in peace, girl. She gave us murder, she wrote, and the Manchurian candidate, <laughs> among other things. A little story about Angela Lansbury. I used to watch bed, bed Knobs and Broomsticks when I was growing up, of course. But um, my grandma used to have a um, a bed in the room that I slept with that looked exactly like the bed from Bed Knobs and Broomsticks. So every time I slept on that bed, I always felt like I was like riding through wherever with Angela Lansbury. <laughs> well, you know what? She was a gay icon before, before I realized that, that such a thing existed. Fully, fully. I love the hair. I love the hair. The twist that she did. So you mentioned true crime. I know, I know you're considering this like your true crime breakout. Uh, <laughs> so to speak. <laughs> from the, from this is this is her breakout interview. So from the true crime aspect, like what would you like to say? What would you like to bring up? Like what's true crime to you? I mean, the whole damn thing is, but like what what do you what do you want to pick apart from it? Honestly, like I I love true crime, and I feel like the more we learn about this kind of darker aspect of humanity, the more we kind of bring this stuff back into light to talk about it openly, to share stories. And I, th I think that has a lot to do with like, I used to really suck at history in high school, <laughs> but true crime has like kind of brought me more in line with like understanding history more. And I think the more that we understand history, the more we can we plan for the future. Mm -hmm. So I think that is really kind of like coming full circle for me in, in a way to kind of like understand this from like that perspective but also like to understand how how victims work and how like the police are so fucked up and and how humans can just not always get things right you know we're we're, we're full of problems we're full of issues we all make we all make mistakes we all make shit and shit decisions you know we do. And sometimes it's because we are we are full of ourselves. You know, we right. get uh, blindsided by our own desires, ambitions and stuff like that. And we'll think a, a little less about the other person than probably we. I don't like to use the word should very often, but in this case, I'll say then we should. I call for more compassion towards other people in this earth. Um. I just want to say that I'm super upset and mad and like bitter in my soul that I had to wait till episode two for Evan Peters to take his fucking clothes off. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting spoiled by American Horror Stories. Like his ass is always on his like little bare ass is always on the screen. But we got a little almost kind of slight side dick or top dick too on this one. And I was just fangirling like... <laughs> so you'd be you'd be sending Dahmer like letters in the mail, wouldn't you? <laughs> in exchange for nudes, fuck it. You know what? <laughs> I think what I got most excited for was um Sean Brown, who was playing Tracy Edwards, who's the guy in the first episode who who did the little sexy dance in order to escape from Dahmer. I think that was brilliant. I think that was like a fantastic. Um, dramatization of what might have happened. I'm not sure if that actually happened, but um, holy shit, that was like in insane. That was that was an insane escape. I'm so happy that he got out and then he finally got caught. But 
props to Sean Brown for playing that. He is completely meme worthy. <laughs> I'm sure they're coming. Oh, I, I made one. Did you see it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so Sean, if you're listening, you know, Demi's address is available and you can <laughs> he, he is in Los Angeles. A, you know, Demi's in Los Angeles. So I think you should go do that dance for him. And so I love how, so episode one actually shows like, like Demi is saying, you know, this character escaping, running down the street, getting the police, coming back, and Jeffrey Dahmer is actually getting arrested. Mm-hmm. And so the series actually kind of, it's like flashbacky. And then the trial is kind of precipitating and starting to happen throughout. And I thought that was very nicely done. Right. So I want to talk about his parents. I want to talk about his parents. Mm-hmm. I ain't hit a judge because, you know, I done done all kinds of drugs. I never was a pill popper. I just sold right. it. Uh, no judgment though. So this, so y'all, when when Je- when Jeffrey's mom was pregnant with him, she was on like I can't remember twenty six, twenty six pills a day. So there's speculation that perhaps that fucked him up because you know they never thought about it before because we hear about crack babies. I don't mean that derogatorily, but that's a term people will recognize or people. You know, mother's drinking, you know, you can't buy a bottle of wine back of the label for whatever fucking reason in this country. We have to just tell, we have to put it in print. If you're pregnant, right. you shouldn't have this bottle of wine, bitch. And so, like, but it never occurred to me, you know, somebody getting a legal prescription from their doctors could do the same sort of damage with pills. Mm-hmm. So that was like super eye opening for me. And it was also the it was like the 60s. So, I mean, it was a completely different time for pharmaceuticals. Like people were just like, yeah, take this methadone, take this fucking shit, take whatever (laughs) antipsychotic that, you know, because who cares? Because we're all just making money off of it anyways. We're still to this day, same problem. We're just prescribing opiates to people that don't really need it because we're making money doing it. Um, so it's the same kind of kind of thing. The pharmaceutical company is like is or the pharmaceutical biz is fucked up but it just goes to show that like yes like this stuff does in a large quantities do serious damage to us to our bodies and to the bodies that might be living inside of us it's it's insane but it was a different time it was like the 60s completely different time so you had they still thought they still still thought smoking was healthy back then you know (laughs) I somehow feel like this country hasn't come that long of a way. Sometimes we seem so damn primitive with the way we treat each other and the, the, some of the things people say and do. Um, so this, you know, so we have this mom with the pills, his dad harbored desires, you know, in the in the show, it, his dad confessed towards the end, you know what, I really wanted to murder people and I would imagine having done it, but I didn't say anything. Um, and basically the two of them helped to produce this serial killer. And I was thinking, you know, people don't want, you know, queer folk to have kids and everything because they are afraid we're going to ruin them and turn them into ruin the moral fabric. But, you know, we just got, you know, really our rights to really have a family really not that long ago. So the world's serial killers and murderers and, you know, all of these notorious people came from heterosexual unions. I just mm-hmm. really wanted to point that out. <laughs> 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 right that's not an argument because obviously like people procreate and so heterosexuals procreate 
And obviously you guys are also doing your part to create people of Dahmer status. You know, it's not, the argument is invalid, you know, when it comes to that. Right. So I love all the, you know, the things like that, that this series brought out. You mentioned several times how shitty the cops were. Mm -hmm. Let's get more granular with that. No, Jeffrey was already convicted sex offender on parole. I think he murdered the damn 14 year old. But mm-hmm. his brother, yeah, right. And so, so Nisi Nash's character, Linda, I believe it was, was complaining. But you know, she's black. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, it's, it's gay things happening. So the cops are showing up. Like, so this is a boyfriend boyfriend thing, right? We don't want to get involved. There's AIDS, you know. Yeah, we might catch it from like walking in your apartment. And so, and so, and so, and so. No, they took a very hands off approach to this. Jeffrey was white. Nisi's character was black and then the little boy was Asian. And so they, they just they just believe the white boy. And so um, and then Nisi, you know, just just kept calling and calling and calling. You know, at some point, Nisi's character, she she just was like. I, you know, I'm, I'm not going to say what what's your favorite line that, that Nisi's character said? <laughs> I'll eat it later. <laughs> <laughs> when Dahmer comes into her apartment which I don't know why the fuck she would let him into her apartment he brought a sandwich into the apartment with him and he gives it to her and he tells her eat it and she goes I'm not eating that (laughs) and he goes eat it and she goes I'll eat it later (laughs) that was just so brilliant and just like so well done and so like powerful just like go right back at him with that aggression like oh my god that was so great you know yeah she didn't back down she told him i'm not afraid of you Mm -hmm. she had fear because the moment he left her apartment and closed the door she gasped and she Mm -hmm. broke down but so niecy's nasty niecy nasty's character lives right next door to Dahmer, and Dahmer's putting shit in people's food to drug them and so he had (laughs) made a sandwich probably out of people and dope I'm sure it was people yeah. and thought she was going to eat it. <laughs> so, and so no, we, she wasn't having any of that. And I thought she was, I thought she, I thought her character was like probably the strongest next to, you know, to the Reverend. I thought her character was probably the strongest, you know, yeah. you know, like in, in internally. Yeah. Yeah. So my favorite line from her is when at some point she told the cops, you know, she's like, y'all came, but it's too late now. <laughs> late. It's too late. <laughs> you got 17 dead people. I called y'all. How many times? <laughs> she she read those cops for absolute filth. Yeah. But the fucked up part, the cops were only suspended from duty with pay. The two cops that were on that circuit, on that beat, you know, handling this, they were only suspended with pay, and then they got reinstated, and then they gave them rewards for like cop of the fucking year. I know. And I, I did I did write down one of their lines that they said when they were talking to their police chief. They told their police chief, you can't fire us. Trust me. We will be here long after you. Which is just like, it's so threatening to say that to your boss, first of all. And so just gross. Just gross humanity. And just that, that abuse of power is so insane. And I, it's still like that. Police cannot be held accountable. Period. There's nothing to hold them accountable. Um, 
I feel like there's accountability is starting to trickle up. But what what he was what those two cops told him was true. Whenever mm-hmm. the shit hits the fan, it's the police chief or somebody in a high position to go. Right. And they, they're not wrong about that. And they went ran to the police union and, you know, hid behind them. I'm so I had applied to become a cop at the Houston Police Department at one point before I became a drug dealer. I'm, yeah. I am. Yeah, I'm so happy I became a drug dealer instead because there is more honor and credibility in pushing dope and <laughs> all kinds of methamphetamine and narcotic <sighs> than being a fucking police officer. I agree. <laughs> there's these. Um, so there's um, and Canadian native people. Um, there's a, a story that I I'm going to butcher this completely, but um, there was these stories that were called like um, they're like midnight midnight drives or something like that. I'm going to get that wrong, but anyways, these police officers would would take up these these Canadian native people, drive them out into like the middle of nowhere. And then have them like take off their shoes and everything and like have them walk back into town and they would never find the bodies and stuff. And they were these, you know, it, it, it's crazy. People didn't find out that they were doing this to, to these native people for years. When they finally did, nobody was held accountable, really. Like the police chief was the one that that kind of like left. And even the Wikipedia page was changed from someone in the police department. They tracked that. And it's like no one you can pinpoint which desk it came from. Why did you not even think to do that? You know, they just didn't want to. There's nothing to like keep that because it would make them look bad, essentially. And that's it sucks. It's a reality of the situation. But whatever it's worth, I I, from from my spirituality, I believe that God is not mocked in whatever they sow, they will reap. As a human, I don't believe it's for me to see this necessarily play out. Um, I'm not, ju- I'm not, and I'm just saying like that's the piece that I make with it. Right, you know, that's my own version of that. And so I hope other people don't become bitter. You know, looking at you know police, the thing police do, and because the bitterness isn't going to help you. You know, it's very easy to watch a series like this or to turn on the news today and to just get angry. The anger is so valid, mm-hmm. but I just hope people don't internalize it, you know? So I just want be to- Be proactive, you know, volunteer, you know, be be active in, you know, protesting, um, you know, be be vigilant and, you know, really call out these things when you see it. Um, it's, it's, it's shocking. It's, it's crazy, but at the same time, it's not all that surprising to see that. Yeah. This stuff still happens. Um, I don't know if I, maybe I shouldn't, maybe I should. Okay. I guess I will since I've said that much. <laughs> so, <laughs> so when, so there's a scene in here where Jeffrey, Jeffrey has a thing for mannequins and everything like that. Oh God. Uh, and so he goes into the store kind of buy something sneaks into the dressing room and uh hangs out once they close and then once the security guard leaves and they turn the lights off he dashes out of the dressing room nabs the mannequin and of course it's a nice chiseled male mannequin all the ad- right. everything going on i have to confess i've you know noticed the 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 hunkiness of the mannequins in the window you know that <laughs> 
<laughs> That's why they make them that way. But I never was going to take one home. So Jeffrey liked to get these mannequins. While I'm watching this, I'm having flashbacks from like Pose, which have absolutely nothing to do with this. Pose was super great. Also a whole another. But again, know, another Ryan Murphy show. Another <laughs> Ryan Murphy show. And also the first fucking episode of Pose, season one, episode one, when a lecture in the House of Abundance go into the store, the Macy's or whatever, they stay in yeah. their clothes, hide everywhere, come out. They undress the mannequins. Oh, yeah. and the clothes. They take the clothes and leave the mannequins. But I was, I don't know, it just reminded me of that. I was so happy to see one of those characters from Pose appear later on in the in the series, though. I think, I don't know, maybe his name was Danny in Pose, one of the dancer guys. He was the dark chocolate one. Oh, right, right. Dolls. <laughs> so... I mean, Ryan Murphy does like to work with the same actors. And I, that's, I think that's why he's taking a liking to Evan Peters because Evan Peters is a great actor and he did such an amazing job with, with this role. Um, as far as the mannequin goes, I have a confession. <laughs> no mannequin is safe. <laughs> no mannequin is safe. Um, not a mannequin, no, but I was I was the only child. I, I didn't really have... I was, I was, you know, a little older than some of the kids on the block. So I was a little lonely at times. I kind of wished I had a brother or a friend around and I didn't really have one. Um, I I did occasionally build a friend out of pillows and my own clothes <laughs> and keep them on my bed. <laughs> it's a very weird thing that I did as a kid. Um, my mom never batted an eye at this, though. <laughs> it was very strange. Um I would give them names. I would, you know, this was just like, this is my friend that I built. And so I kind of related to Dahmer in that, in the aspect of just like, oh my God, this is so weird to keep this, this thing. I, this, the form in my bed, you know, I never told that to another person, by the way. So everybody knows all this weird secret about me. <laughs> okay. I can confess something that I did, and I don't judge you for that, but you saying that reminds me of when I was in the Air Force, and I left home when I was 17, and I could not relate with people coming from the country, coming from the Pentecostal background, and, and I didn't know how to make friends, and I didn't know. I got I had this, I got this orange monkey. He was like a, a bright orange, you might call him like a Curious Georgie thing, but he was like neon orange, and I would take him places with me. Now, I'm 17. 18, you know, I have a car. I'm not really grown, but I'm older. And I, I would strap him into the front seat and put like <laughs> a belt on him <laughs> and drive him around because I couldn't find a fucking friend. You know, there was no, you, there was no grinder. There was none of right. that. You couldn't go online and find a friend. You had to go out and physically meet people. And I was 17. I wasn't old enough to go to any bars or anything. I was fucked. You know, and I wasn't in college. I was in I was in a grown man's world in the military. I do not recommend going to the military at 17. So no, yeah. you built your person. I went to Toys R Us and bought mine. Fuck it. You know, <laughs> we all had our makeshift friends. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's it's not all that shocking. You know, it's it's shocking in the context of like Dahmer. But at the same time, it's not all that shocking for people to just be lonely right and and he was lonely lonely jeffrey was lonely because his parents not only walked away from him but they didn't really teach him you know um 
they didn't really teach him. Like, I don't feel like my parents taught me about sex or about life. You know, Jeffrey did not understand what it meant to be a homosexual. You know, when cops would show up, he would be like, we're doing gay things, you know, um, porn, you know. To him, it's like something, homosexuality is something that you do. It's an action rather than who you are. Right. No. So, you know, the, he was he in that in that aspect, I'll say the poor thing was misguided. I feel like so many of us gays are, you know, I wish someone would say, hey, here's how you be in this world. You know, I want to talk about post-traumatic stress disorder. Mm-hmm. <laughs> OK, uh, like you said, G- G- Galinda, uh, Nisi's uh, character was, is, was, is an algam- al- al- amalgamation check of um of all the people in the building. So by the end of the series, y'all, <laughs> the people in this building where this boy then chopped up and cooked and filleted and sauteed these people mm-hmm. just cannot. Okay. They have to go sleep downstairs in the hall because everybody's having nightmares and flashbacks thinking Jeffrey's coming for them, hearing the same sounds and shit. This is just like a veteran coming back from war. Okay. Right. People who barely escaped from him are having flashbacks. These people's families are getting harassed by the fucking police and shit. What, what, the PTSD is something that shocked me and I had never considered before. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, the victims aren't the only victims in this. It's the people that actually were in that building. It's the people who had to find the bodies, who, you know, the people who actually work in the crime scene and stuff. The people who... We're just the neighbors, you know, the people who lived in that in that neighborhood. Those are all victims Those are people that knew all this stuff was happening. And I think what the city just decided was the right thing to do is just to knock down the building completely and erase it, which I think is the wrong thing to do. And I think Glenda was doing the right thing by fighting for this park and this plaque to commemorate the names of the victims of people. And I think that's a really important thing. And at the very end of the show, you, you realize that it's still not there. So I think it's really, I think it'll bring up an interesting commentary to this, especially just because of this year and the kind of like the last couple of years that we've been having in order to really do some good in this world is to bring light onto things that were once dark rather than just make them disappear. That's like whitewashing it in a way like, you know, you know, I love, I love me some white dick and all of that, but you know, white people can do things like try to just make problems disappear and shit. Mm-hmm. Like what we see demonstrated in here, because historically white people have held at the power, you know, in this country. Mm-hmm. So they've had the power to do it, control the narrative, rewrite history, whatever the fuck you want to do. Bad shit happened over there. We'll call it Murder House from American Horror Story. Couldn't get any worse. Um, you know, bad shit happened. We'll just tear it down and we'll just act like, you know, we'll just move on now. But like 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 the Reverend uh, Jesse uh, uh, Jesse Jackson said in there, you know, we're not going to let you just give us peaceful words like healing and hope and everything's going to be OK, which is another way of saying let's just forget about it. Right. And that's not how you deal with with trauma, <laughs> you know, actually processing those emotions, um, learning to stand in it and not be affected by it, learning how to kind of move within it rather than just forget about it because as we all know when we just push things to the back of our minds they always have a nice lovely way of coming right back up into weird do weird things to our psyche you know um 
so yeah, all those people I'm sure I, I, I hope have gotten help through the years. Um, but I still think that there still needs more to be done culturally, especially when it comes to like people who are victims, who are horrible victims, um, such as this. Mm-hmm. And like, and, and you mentioned, I mean, all traumas like that. I mean, you said it best. I'm just going to say trauma goes in. He has to come back out. It won't just mm-hmm. dissipate. Um, and you mentioned earlier about, you know, you asked me like, would, would I be one of the ones writing letters to, to uh, Jeff in the mail since I think he has a nice ass and <laughs> dick print. Um, so <laughs> it, 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 in the series, y'all, this this part grossed me out, and I hope I was grossed out in the non-judgmental way because I don't like to judge anyone for anything. Okay, Jeff had a had a, had has a following. They started making Halloween costumes and shit. There was a comic. His dad wrote a book. People started writing him letters, sending him money. It's kind of Trumpy. <laughs> oh, fully. He was fully trying to profit off of what happened and like being the father of the killer. You know. I think that's so messed up. And I think it was right for the victims, the families of the victims to pursue that in court. And did, did they win? I, th- I believe they did eventually. They, they, won- they lost the first time, but they did. Um, and yeah, that money should go to the victims. It should not go to the fucking dude. Like, dad, that's insane. Like, my God. Not only no, but hell nah. Mm-hmm. I can't believe he had the balls to do that. Like, mm-hmm. I could have seen if he wrote it for cathartic healing reasons, maybe shared it with the, the family or whoever. Yeah, or set it. up for, like, nonprofit or something. Like, just, okay. yeah, like, just don't. That's It's so selfish and it's very Trumpy, for sure. Yeah, they're in there toasting margaritas, you know, and shit over the, over the book deal. You know, everything like that with no concern uh, for people. So, um... Then Jeff had copycats. People started to mimic him and everything like that. And it just makes me very concerned for the for the mental state of the world, because as old as this crime is, it's not like mental health. I don't feel like it's improved. Right. Treatment has gotten better, but people are still like not all there. Right. <laughs> not as good as they could be. Completely. Do we have any final thoughts? I do. I have I the, the, the last two things that I would like to bring up was um the way the whole unforgiveness bitterness thing that that went from Lisi Nash's character mm-hmm. the guy who murdered him in jail who felt like he was a righteous hand of God and everything like that and then Jeffrey's baptism and repentance before that right do you think <laughs> the repentance is real uh for for me like I was saying earlier, I, w- I don't want people to get into this space of thinking like we have space to judge anyone. I don't care how terrible it is. Right. It's like if somebody's like a monk, you know, in certain religions, they feel like all life is sacred. So they would never like say step on a roach. OK, we'll step on a roach, kill a spider in a fucking heartbeat because we view it as a threat or just gross or whatever. But if somebody goes and murder an elephant for their ivory, you know, then we're like, oh, no, how could you? I'm not justifying the murder of the elephants, but I'm saying like, if we get judgy, that monk could judge you for stepping on the roach. So I want people to be careful how they tread because these people in jail, especially the guy that killed him, just couldn't, he was so offended by what he had done. He was like, I did bad shit, but it wasn't as bad as yours. So I'm coming to kill you now. Mm -hmm. Mm. (laughs) 
<laughs> obviously that guy had some mental problems and he became yeah. obsessed with this thing and and obviously had a very active vendetta against Dahmer for whatever reason um for many reasons i'm sure but um i think when it comes to forgiveness i think it's important to forgive if not only for the sake of others but for the sake of ourselves when I mean, you don't have to forgive a person. You don't have to forget either. But I think in order for us to kind of like move on from like trauma like this, it is kind of important to be like, just forgive the situation, you know, just to kind of like allow some release of some way. You don't have to forgive the person, but just forgive the situation for what happened. And I think that's one way to do it. Um, perhaps the best way i don't know whatever works for you like whatever it's through religion finding forgiveness through that which i'm not sure if that was fully i'm sure if that was fully authentic of of Dahmer to kind of go through that at the, at the end maybe he finally felt bad for the situation because i mean he was very aware he was very self-aware of what was going on he was just like i i just don't know how to control this and but maybe that was a way for him to kind of like move through it but at the same time he also had some narcissistic tendencies at the very when he started getting fan mail and stuff he started getting a big head you know because <laughs> I, I really don't know where to place that but i think in, for forgiveness to really happen some sort of like forgiveness within needs to happen first true I feel like if he meant his repentance that he he had the priest come in there to baptize him and everything I think just like Jesus did on the cross. And I think Jesus had a murder and a thief up there with him. Yeah. You know, Jesus said he'll forgive you for anything with the exception of blaspheming the Holy ghost, which is like a, something that I don't think most of us even know how to do to be quite honest. But, um, and a lot of people might not care to die. How do we do that? <laughs> Can you tell us step by step? <laughs> <laughs> they create little Holy Ghost blasphemers. <laughs> I researched it. I researched it because I was like, how do you even... I think it has something to do with a, a very deep and like, kind of like rejection of, of, of God on like, on, like a, on like a super, 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 super deep level that... It's it's very hard to explain, and I and I don't really, I I can't explain it to you because even though I've read it, I'm like okay, I'm reading this, and I was trying to read this, trying to understand the, the original culture of the Middle East where this came from, and I'm all like I don't know, this is like a deep 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 level of disrespect, and if if you if you're this this adverse towards towards the Holy Ghost, you would probably know. And this is beyond like, well, I'm undecided on God. Or I don't know if I'm going to believe in him. This is like, um, this is like a rancid, rancid thing. And I cannot explain it because I don't know how to blaspheme the Holy Ghost. And after reading it, I just know, okay, I ain't done that. And I never will because that's like really <laughs> far out. Right. So, so, um, so I would just say people watch the show. I don't know if this may be cathartic for people who whose family members have been murdered on any level to watch other people go through it. I think that there's some healing to be found in it. So watch it to see and see what you can get out of it. I would say or not. If you're not comfortable with that kind of stuff, don't because it's it's not it's not for everyone. And I think it might obviously it brought up a lot of conversation, especially online about 
victims and all that stuff. If you're not comfortable in that, it might not be good for you to watch. Um, on the other hand, those who are probably not that sensitive to it or perhaps have done some sort of, you know, work in in this in that kind of realm to be sure you're able to like handle that kind of things, which I thought I was very like open to this type of stuff. I was like really gung ho. The, the moment I was like, yeah, let's watch Dahmer. Everyone's talking about it. Let's do it. That first episode had me like, oh my God, I can't. I got to wait. I got to wait a day. <laughs> you know, I got to watch a comedy after this. I got to watch some stand up or something because I, I don't think it's for everyone, but I think it's for a specific type of person. I think it, there is some sort of healing in it as well. Um, but also it's a lot of like more learning from, in my opinion. Well, if anyone needs a friend or to talk to <laughs> us about anything that you may come across, we're not mental health professionals, but we do, we are life professionals and we have lived through some experiences. My oh, website right. is sexdrugsandjesus.com and that's where you can reach me. All my information is there, baby. And mine's demetriwell.com. But before we let you go, shall we do a little round of red flags? Yes, I'm ready for this. All right. Number one red flag. They keep a mysterious oil drum in their bedroom. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah, he, did. <laughs> he did have a, a red or uh, um, an oil drum in his bedroom. Yeah. <laughs> and, and we know enough to know, well, there the bodies in there. But, <laughs> you know, then they didn't have so much television and, you know, the sharing of knowledge. But, yeah, there was that. <laughs> red flag <laughs> for sure. Uh, their apartment smells like dead animals. That was a red flag, which Jeffrey always explained the way is rotten meat in the refrigerator. <laughs> <laughs> but most people haven't smelled a dead, decaying corpse. So most people don't have a frame of reference. But this is not just like you you just ran or just have one of those days where you're feeling not so fresh. This here. <laughs> <laughs> this is. This is beyond that. So yeah, beyond that, it was thank a dank dank. Exactly. Um, they have a fish tank. Well, I suppose I don't see so much fishes around anymore. I don't like. <laughs> I don't really get to see anyone with a fish tank anymore. But I don't think that that would be a red flag unless all the fish are dead, which I think a couple of his were. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, beta, the beta fish that fight. <laughs> um, how about if they live with their grandmother? Red flag. Depends on the nature of it. You know, if he owns the house and he's and he's shack, letting granny shack with him, then no. But at that age, and it doesn't have to be if somebody's going through hard times, I would not judge them for that. But when granny's coming down, throwing shade and reading Jeffrey for a filth and like clearly, okay, run, bitch. Granny don't like, can cannot deal with her own grandchild. Why should you? <laughs> and granny <laughs> too. Granny was strong too. Um, was strong. You know, she was like, hell no, nah, I'm not leaving. Bitch, this is my house. <laughs> exactly. Last one. They order liver and onions at dinner. Growing up in the South, we had liver and onions all the time, but it was cow <laughs> liver, to my knowledge, not people. <laughs> I don't 
think I'd, I don't think I'd like anyone who ordered liver at dinner. Like, it would be, like, weird. It's just gross. Well, out there in California, y'all don't have Southern cuisine. So you don't have, like, grits have that, and yeah. greens and, you know, and shit like that. Maybe if you go down to Roscoe's Chicken and Waffles, you might find something close to that. But other than that, you know, so then half the shit we eat down here, you'd probably be, like, a red flag. Oh, Lord, a pig <laughs> lift? A pig lift with pig's foot? Oh, hell no. I'm not about to get cut up in this motherfucker. I'm out. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I'm I definitely grew up in Southern California, so I grew up on like, you know, chicken and, <laughs> and pork chops. But like, that's about as far weird as I got, you know, liver, not so much. But they say it's super good for you. Um, it tasted lean. I can't I don't know that anybody ever became morbidly obese off of eating liver. Out of all the things that we ate that probably came around in the like a lower 10%, it's not like I saw it a whole hell of a lot. Um, and I haven't seen it in years, you know, now. But after this show here, maybe people will stop just eating it all together. Right. Well, that's all the red flags I have. <laughs> I guess thanks for everyone for tuning in. This has really been really fun. Thanks to Van for doing this with me this little collab that we got going on mm -hmm. thank you girl for agreeing to come on and for and, and for pushing me to you know to, to get it i was trying to like you know i was like i can be such a procrastinator but you know when, when demi makes up her mind y'all it's gonna get done and i absolutely <laughs> love it she was like yes let's do this shit now and i was like oh you were like, you're like, what are you doing in November? I'm like, uh-uh, this is Halloween, girl. This is Halloween. <laughs> well, again, thank you for doing this with us. Thanks for listening, everyone. And uh, we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. If you enjoyed this episode, please remember to leave a comment and a five-star review on Apple Podcasts to help out the show. Check out the episode description for my guest social media links and for more information on me to read my blogs, The Deviant Diaries or A Deviant's Guide to Sex or information about tarot readings. Please visit DimitriWild.com. Stay deviant. Remember, subscribing might not be worth it, but it's also not optional.